Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Now, those of you who have been uh, watching since uh, the first Sunday of January, uh, you would know that I started on a series. And uh, it's called, very simply, The 21 Truths and Thoughts of How to uh, Break Through uh, This Year how to live a breakthrough life, I should say. Uh, and uh, I did the first batch, I call it the batch, you know, the first batch of 13. Uh, the top 13, I should say, with the first one being, if you can remember, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, mind, soul and strength. Second one is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then I went all the way to number 13 just last Sunday. And uh, number 13 was, uh, not everything is spiritual. And I, I brought you the Word of God that reminds us that uh, we also have to discipline ourselves and to do our part uh, and let God do His part, but not to always blame the devil so quickly and not to always point to God for failing us. Uh, but we have a part to play as well and that, and that we uh, need to take responsibility uh, for our lives and for our future according to the Word of God. But I want to continue the second batch, the second batch of points, uh, of truths and thoughts, are eight points. Uh, and uh, I want to share those eight points with you. Uh, but before I get to those uh, eight points, uh, I want to share with you seven, yes, <laughs> seven quick foundational points uh, of what you and I need to know before we tackle uh, the eight, okay? The eight main points. So let's begin with this now. Uh, let's uh, take a look at these foundational points. Uh, here we go. Number one, of course, they are part of the 21. So although I separated them uh, because of uh, just different thoughts I wanted to share with you uh, about each batch and the uh, eight points following that I will now bring to you, uh, I will share with you in a, in a bit why I separated them. But even though they are separated in two batches, they are one. Uh, they are to be read together with each other. So you can't do the eight just by the eight. You've got to remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart, trust in Him, and then keep going down. Always put God first. Always prioritize your quiet time uh, and always give God your best. You know, these are the points. The first uh, few uh, points that I shared in the first batch, which, which is the 13. Uh, so they are to be read together and to be done together. Don't forget that. Number two, the truths, all right, the truths are from Scripture, but the thoughts are from my own personal experience or at least my own personal education. Some things I've heard from others, testimonies I've heard from others. Uh, so truths and thoughts. I know uh, in the first 13, I put the uh, title as Thoughts and Truths. I just want to correct myself now and say to us, we should put truth first because Scripture, the Word of God, must come first. And from those truths, I get my thoughts. Are you all with me? Uh, and I get my experiences. So uh, it is truth from the Word of God and uh, thoughts from my own experience. And why I had to tell you that is because some of you will hear some radical thoughts. 
some maybe even weird sounding experiences. But it's my story. It's my own experiences. And I share them with you because I want to tell you that God's truth works when you apply them into your situation, into your circumstances. So please do not go like, oh, no way, or that's weird, or are you sure? Or yeah, maybe you're a doctor. You go like, oh, that doesn't really work. You know, we believe in science only and we believe in medication only. And we believe, yeah, you know, fine. I also believe in doctors. I believe in science. I believe in medication. God gives to our doctors a wisdom. Uh, but there is also the unseen. Okay? Uh, there is also the so much more that even doctors have to learn about God. And so, uh, if you hear those things, do not straight away reject them. Just know that it's my story, it's my experience, and I'm telling you the truth. Uh, number uh, three. Okay, let's go to number three now. Uh, is, okay, the reason why I separated uh, the eight from the 13 is because of this. Now, you've got to listen very carefully to me now. Uh, the next eight, they deal mainly with defense and offense. And actually what I mean by that is um, the eight deals with how we should handle disappointments, for example. Discouragement, for example. How we should handle our down moments and come back up in Jesus' name. And that's, you know, in the whole area of defence. But also offence, in the sense that these eight points also deal with how we should handle the demonic disturbances, the demonic attacks that come our way. And some of our sicknesses, some of our diseases, some of our problems are demonic in its source. Uh, they are of unclean spirits. Uh, they are of, you know, the dark uh, place uh, and uh, of the devil's work. And so we need to discern and to understand. And so I separated the 13 with the 8 because the 8 is going to be targeted into dealing with getting ourselves out of depression or out of, you know, uh, uh, disappointments and discouragement and also out of of Satan's uh, wiles and out of Satan's lies and out of Satan's attacks, okay? So the eight is uh, for that uh, main purpose, all right? Now, I want to introduce with, uh, to you a word. Uh, just flowing from point three, the word is torment, torment. Uh, now, not many preachers preach about torment, but I just want to bring this to your attention so that you know uh, where I'm coming from. Now, 1 John 4.18. Let's read the first uh, place where I get this word torment from. The Bible says in uh, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Praise the Lord. Because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has, has not been made perfect in love. So let's just focus in right now on that word torment. It's there in the Bible. And many of you understand the feeling, although you might not quite call it torment. But you do, if you pay close attention, feel like you're being bothered, disturbed, you know, pushed around, bullied and tormented and fear can do that. So the point is, you need to catch this, that that people can be tormented. You and I, even as Christians, if we allow fear to come in, if we allow stuff that belongs to the darkness to come into our lives and we entertain it and we meditate on it, torment 
will be what we will experience. Now, Matthew 4.24 says, Matthew 4.24 says, then his fame, that is is Jesus' fame, went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and, come on, and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, uh, and he healed them. Amen. Jesus healed all who came to him. Hallelujah. And I believe that Jesus still heals today. If you believe it, say amen. But the word I want to pull out again, and this is the second time now, that people came to him not only to be healed of their diseases and sicknesses, but to be healed of their torment. So people can be tormented. And some of you, including myself, have experienced torment one time or the other. We didn't know it was torment, but we were really bothered. And we were bothered for many days, if not many months, some of even many years. And so I bring to you the eight points to give you an understanding, not only of how the enemy works, but more importantly, how God works in our lives and how He has given us secrets and even keys to the kingdom of God. And when we open those doors, the blessings are released upon us. The power of God flows and the enemy has no chance. He will have to let you go and be cast out. But one more thing I want to tell you is that even as it is true that people can be tormented, i got good news for you. Even the evil spirits can be tormented. And oh, that's good news. So it's not just we have to be bullied all the time. We can turn the tables around. And God is the master of turning tables. Remember Jesus, when He went to the temple, He turned all those tables around. I call Him the master table turner. All right, He can turn the tables around on Satan. In Jesus' name, we give Him glory. So in Matthew 8, 29, you remember this verse. It says here, and suddenly they cried out. That is the demons. The demons cried out out of this man who was demon-possessed. Many, many demons he had. In fact, his name, you know, he, he said it himself, uh, my name is Legion, you know. Thousands of demons in him. Uh, and the demons cried out when they saw Jesus and said, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, the demons know that the time will come Yes, the time will come and they know it that they all, all the demons will be tormented, all the evil spirits, all the unclean spirits, they will be tormented. They know their future. They know their end. And then they said, have you come to torment us before our time? Meaning that the enemy, he's afraid of being tormented. He also can be tormented. They're confessing, they're acknowledging that Jesus, when He comes, He torments them. It's not only the devil who has got the chance to torment us, we've got a chance in Jesus' name to torment Him and them, the demons. Are you all still with me? So when I see this truth, wow, I start applying it into my lives, man. You know, if a sickness was was, was, uh, caused by demonic activity, then it's inside of you. You've got to know what you can do to torment that sickness, to torment that sickness that has been inspired by evil spirits and by unclean spirits. And you will torment them, you know, with praises and thanksgiving and, and tongues and all those things that I will be sharing with you. You can torment until they have to let... You know why? Because you and I got to make the enemy uncomfortable in our bodies. 
Some of us are making the enemy too comfortable, guys. You're not speaking up, you're not praying, you're not applying the truths of God. So you need to, guys. You need to understand that the enemy is very afraid to be tormented. That if we could apply this every day, the truths of God, the enemy will feel so, so uncomfortable. That he will say, oh, I better pack up and go. I better pack up and go. I can't live another minute in this person's body. I can't live another second in this believer's mind. I can't live another minute in this Christian's life. I can't. I got to pack up. So sorry, boss. I can't take it anymore. This, this Christian is tormenting me with his praises every day. He's tormenting me with his thanksgiving every day. He's tormenting me with his prayers. He's tormenting me with his confession. You know, with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So come on, people. Even the enemy is afraid to be tormented. And come on, I want to encourage all of us to make sure there is no room for the devil in our lives. In Jesus' name. And we give God all the glory. We give God all the praise because He made it all possible through His blood and His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Number four, I want to give you this foundational thought before... We move on to the main eight points. The power is in the focus. The power is in the focus. What we focus on, I taught you before, only gets bigger. Isn't that right? If you focus on Jesus, He gets bigger. If you focus on His Word and His promises, they get bigger. Bigger and bigger they will grow until they consume your heart and your mind and your life. Amen. You know, when you, when you concentrate and focus uh, on the love of God, the love of God will get bigger and bigger and consume you and me. If you focus on faith, faith will get larger and larger. But if you focus on your sickness, if you focus on your pain, if you focus on your discomfort, if you focus on the devil, if you focus on bad news, you know, bad news usually travels faster than good news. Why? We're so caught up with gossip and rumours and we focus on that pain. I'm telling you right now, you know, many times when I was ill, even sometimes I'd be standing on the stage preaching and I came up actually not feeling too well. And then suddenly for the next one hour, I have to, I have to focus on preaching and for one hour, I forget the pain and I don't feel pain for one hour and then when I get down, I go like, oh, Am I healed or was that, was that just focusing on something else bigger than my pain? And many of you also understand this. You know, you are probably in pain but you're watching a comedy and you're laughing so much that you suddenly forget, hey, I don't feel that pain anymore. I don't feel that pain anymore. You know, because you're laughing at something you're watching, you're focusing on that comedy. And how many of you also know that a merry heart doeth good like medicine. Amen. Uh, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I want to I wanna just say what we focus on only gets bigger. And the first step to healing, come on now, the first step to healing is to stop focusing on your hurt. Now I'm not saying to you, don't treat it, don't go to the doctor, just you know, deny it, reject it, uh, ignore it. No, I'm not even saying that. I'm not saying ignore. I'm just saying focus. You can still go for checkup. You can still go uh, to the doctors. You can still take your medicine. You can still do what is right. Do it, please. Because faith also must have wisdom. Wisdom follows faith. But I'm talking about focus, guys. Just because you're in pain, just because you're taking medicine doesn't mean you have to focus on that. 
Because you and I know that when you focus on that pain, that pain only grows bigger. And some of you focus on that discomfort, it becomes anxiety. And then suddenly, you feel like you're dying. But actually, you're not. You are not. Amen. Number five, the power is not just in the knowing. Okay? I'm not giving you eight points just to know. Alright? In fact, if you follow the Word of God, the word know is deeper than what we know. The word know is, they that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. You know, it says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's not talking about the know up here. It's talking about a know that is, you know, like an intimate know. It's like Adam knew Eve. You know, and so and so in the Bible knew his wife or knew the husband and the no is an intimate no and when they come together as a no that is one, the two become one and they produce. So truth that you know should produce because you become one with the truth, one with God. And so I'm talking about knowing but it's not just about knowing people, it's about the doing. Okay? I want you and I to be doers of the word. So don't just listen to the eight and go like, oh, sounds very nice. Be doers. And not just do, do enough. You see, a lot of Christians, I don't know why they give up so easily. You say, oh, pray. Okay, I pray, I pray. I pray already, Pastor. How many times you pray? Twice? Three times? Uh, take communion. Uh, yeah, I took, I took, I took. You know? How many times you took? Uh, I, you know, whenever I can remember. You know, how many times you confess? You know, how many times you declared? How many times you, you know, fasted? You know, just different spiritual disciplines. How many times? And you go like, oh, I've done it. I, I'm not sure how many times, maybe twice. And, 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 and I want to tell you the victory is not just in knowing and it's not just in doing once or twice. It's in continually doing. Make it a habit. Not just a truth. Not just a rule but a habit, a spiritual habit that you and I live out. Amen. On a daily basis, don't stop till, it's, it, till something happens. In fact, that's what push is, right? When you push through in prayer, pray until something happens. It must happen because you're praying in Jesus' name and you're following God's truth again and again. Let me show you a scripture, 2 Kings 13, uh, 14 to 19. I'm going to read it to you. Elisha, had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, to the king, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it and Elisha put his, hand, his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Uh, then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. But the next part, I want you to read and listen very carefully. For you must strike the Syrians at Apek till you have destroyed them. Now listen to this one now. Then he said, Elijah said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Strike the ground. So the king struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. The man of God 
was angry. And sometimes even as a servant of the Lord, I too get upset. Sometimes with myself and sometimes with others. I could see that if they only push through, if they only pressed in, if they did like Jesus taught about that woman, that persistent widow, you know, who came constantly to the king, to the judge, I should say. And the judge says, you know, lest this woman weary me, I will get up and I will judge for her and I will give her what she wants. Talked about the persistent neighbour who went to his neighbour at midnight and the neighbour said, I can't help you. I've got my kids in my bed. And Jesus says, the neighbour will get up because of persistence and perseverance. Where is that in the Christian life today? Today, we give up so easily. Don't give up. If I give you these eight points, you must remember it's not just a truth and a rule. It's a habit. It must become a culture. It must become a lifestyle so that the enemy will have no chance over your life and mine. Remember Matthew 25. It doesn't just speak about enough. It speaks about extra. People, it's okay to live the extra for God. You can never outgive God. You can never give too much to God. Live the extra, not just the enough, all right? Matthew 25, remember that? The story of the five wise virgins and the five foolish. Now, everything was the same. Everything was the same with the five wise and five foolish virgins. What was the only thing that was different? Come on now. The extra oil. That's it. That's it. Five wise virgins brought extra oil. You never know what's enough. So you bring extra and it speaks of our heart that we don't take things for granted. We don't take God's word for granted. We don't take God for granted. We don't say, God, you must come in my time. No. God, please, I'm bringing extra because you are God, you come in your own time, but that's all I have. But I will bring extra. That shows your heart. If you just bring enough, you go like, ah, I just bring enough. Uh, so what, you know? God must come in my time, you know? Enough is enough. No, no, no. You bring a little bit extra. You go at the extra mile, people. Understand this. So please, take the eight truths that I'm about to give you and run with it. Don't give up. Don't just hit the ground three times. Don't, <laughs> don't make your pastor angry. <laughs> don't make God angry, you know, upset with you because He knows there's so much more. We get upset that not because of you, <laughs> Uh, you know, being, you know, someone who we don't like. No, we, we love you and we like you very much and that's why we want the best of God for you. But we know that you, you will only get the best when you push through, hit the ground more than three times. Come on, you can do it. Five, six, seven times, ten times. Why? Do one more extra, like, you know, eleven times. So what? You know, go for goal. Alright, push through. Don't give up so easily just because you feel a little bit extra pain. You say, oh, it's not working. Why say it's not working so quickly? This is the Word of God. It works, it works. He just wants you to persevere and to be persistent. What's number six? God wants to build our confidence. That's right. You know, as we put this into practice, you know how confidence comes? Confidence comes, I explained it to you before, through results. When you pray, press in, press on, God will show you results. And with results will come confidence. And, and when you and I are confident, greater things happen. But we must do it religiously. And that's why it's called religion. It, it just means that you have to do it strictly uh, according to how you have been taught. 
practice it strictly day after day, no matter what your body tells you. Your body can say, oh, I'm tired. Oh, it's painful. Oh, my headache is too, too uh, uh, severe today. You know, your body can tell you, stop. You know, the devil can tell you within you, oh, enough. You know, why? Of course the devil will say enough because he is being tormented every time you pray and praise God. So of course they will say enough and your body will flow, right? Your flesh will flow with the devil because our flesh always wants comfort. And so you will very easily say, oh yeah, 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 let's listen to this other voice. And the devil doesn't want to be tormented. His demons don't want to be tormented inside of you. So he says, stop, please stop. And I tell you what, most Christians do. We stop. And then the devil and the, and the demons go, oh, thank you. All right, okay, now I can live comfortably. And he puts his hands behind his head and start, you know, uh, 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 being on the hammock, uh, swinging in your heart and, and, and drinking pina colada. You know what I'm saying? So too many Christians are allowing the devil to have such a comfortable life in you. Stop it. And keep going, guys. Be strict in your religious practices of the truth of God. Be religious like a dog to a bone, all right? God wants to build confidence. And when He does build confidence, the seventh point is this. Once we find that it works, amen, once we find that all that I'm about to share with you works, we will naturally want to help others. That's the key because there's so many more people to help. So many more people to pray for. So many more people to set free in Jesus' name. Because demons, you know, are, are also influencing other people's lives. But one, once it works for you, you can see and you can say, I'm going to set you free in Jesus' name. I'm going to heal you in Jesus' name. I'm going to help you in Jesus' name. Why? Because it's worked for us and because it's worked for me, I'm now sharing with you very passionately from my heart because I want you also, my dear brother and my dear sister, to be set free. Amen? When the Son of God sets you free, come on now, you are free indeed. If you believe it, say amen. Praise the Lord. Now, are you ready? Shall we go into the first point of the eight? Let's do it. Alright? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, people, it's so important to be a thankful believer, to be a thankful person generally. Everyone has got to, to learn to be thankful. Now, why start with Thanksgiving? Why? Why have I put point one as Thanksgiving? I'll tell you why. A, because not everything turns out the way we had hoped or prayed for. Isn't that true? This is life. You know, we can pray for someone to get healed, they don't get healed. Maybe they go, even go home to be with the Lord. Uh, uh, and, and maybe we are hoping for something and it comes, but it comes much later. Maybe the timing is not what we hope for. Now, you know what the, 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 the danger of that? The danger of that is if we don't deal with it carefully and properly, our hearts will begin to be open to hurts, disappointments, discouragement, even with God. And, you know, we will be uh, filled with even maybe anger. An anger that will turn to bitterness. And what happens is that we will open the door, if we are not careful, for the enemy to lay a claim on our lives. You know, when I was a younger Christian, I was in martial arts. And martial arts, I guess, in the earlier stages is sort of like harmless. It's more like self-defense exercise. But once you get deeper into it, uh, you want to fight. 
<laughs> and I was actually being groomed uh, to uh, compete in the SEA Games uh, of uh, that year and uh, chosen as one of the 30 uh, youngsters that will train and then they'll bring it down you know, to maybe the top three. And at the same time, I gave my life to Jesus. But you know, I really love uh, this martial art and I practice hard and I you know, really didn't want to, the, the, the skill to go to waste. Uh, so my mind was filled uh, with trying to show off my skill. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you just wait for someone to push you the wrong way and then you go like, oh, thank you for the opportunity to show off my skill on you. And you will regret for the rest of your life that you have disturbed me. Now, when the Christian leaders came to my house, uh, they, you know, did a house cleansing, meaning, you know, whatever that was not right, whatever that was not of the right spirit, whatever that was not of a right source, they would, you know, take it and they would burn it to set us free. And so when they took away my martial arts uh, uniform, which actually came directly posted to me from, uh, uh, from Korea, okay, you can buy them from, from Malaysia as well, but mine came from Korea, South Korea. And, 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 uh, and I was so proud of that. But they said, you know, hey, uh, martial arts is not just martial arts. There's also a spirit behind it, especially when you go deeper. I can understand that. There's, there's no probably meditation. There's probably, you know, the art form that goes deeper. And, and, and it's very hard to practice the Word of God that says, if someone slaps you on your right, give, you, give, give them your left. It's very hard because you actually practice all those years that when somebody slaps you on your right, you know, they will get it. Okay, uh, so please somebody slap me on my right. You know, that is, it's almost like, a, you know, tempt me. Please tempt me and test me and I'll show you, uh, you know, what bullying is all about. You know what I'm trying to say? And so there's a spirit behind it of, and, and this is only going to be understood by people who go deeper into it. So I was, I was deep enough and they took away the uniform and someone told me this because I was seeking for understanding. Why? Why does this happen? And the word to me was this. If, the enemy, all right, has got something that belongs to him in your possession. You and I give him the right to come in anytime he wants to take it. You're, are you with me? And not only can that particular neighbour come knocking on our door and say, oh, where's my jacket? I left my jacket here. Oh, you're keeping it. Oh, no, where's my, where's my pen? Where's my uh, walk? Where's my shoes? You know, if you keep what belongs to the enemy, you and I give him the right to come in at any time. In fact, can I tell you this? You give him not just the right, you give him the keys. That is a truth that blew me away. And I said, I don't want to keep anything that belongs to the devil. But yet some of us keep unforgiveness. You think unforgiveness is of God? No, it belongs to the, the, the devil. Some of us keep bitterness so dear to our hearts. You think it belongs to God? No, it belongs to the devil. And as long as we keep anything that belongs to him, we are saying, here, take the keys. Come in anytime you want. And then he gets a foothold. And then he works on a stronghold. And then finally, a stranglehold. And there you have the word that says, he comes not but to steal, kill and destroy. Remember Potiphar's wife? You know why she had so much weight 
to her accusation that Joseph had done something to her. Even though Joseph is innocent, we all know that. Why? Because Potiphar's wife held on to Joseph's cloak. And that was enough evidence, are you all still with me, to put Joseph, who was innocent, into jail. Please do not leave anything with the devil and please do not hold anything from the devil. It's very, very important. Alright, why is Thanksgiving important? Because Thanksgiving starts our entry into God's presence and stops the entry of the enemy into our lives. You see, people who are thankful really have no time for unforgiveness. Are you all with me? If you're really, really filled with thanksgiving, your heart is so full of gratitude and thankfulness, where do you have room for unforgiveness? And because you have no room, the enemy can't enter. When you are thanking God even for the hard times, the bad times, there's no room for hurt. Yeah, you might get hurt and I, I'll get hurt. We're all human beings. But that's why we thank God. And we go into a place of thanksgiving. And the more we thank God, our hearts begin to be filled. And therefore, no room for offence. And therefore, no room for the enemy. Are you all still with me? You cannot give the devil an entry. But you will enter the presence of God. Just like the Bible says, enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. So can I advise all of you please? It's better to give thanks to God than to talk about the enemy. Too many of us are giving too much time, too much air time, you know what I'm trying to say? Too much air time to the enemy. You know, why talk about the enemy so much? Why glorify him when you can glorify the Lord? I'd rather spend my time giving thanks to God, even in hard times, bad times, sad times. Thank the Lord, because every time I thank the Lord, I enter his gates. Better to confess the certainty of his word than the uncertainties of the world. Oh my God, every day we are filled and surrounded by uncertainties. The pandemic is an uncertainty. Our very own DG, Health Director General said, you know, uh, you know we, we've, uh, we've gone through this for a year now, but there is no end in sight. Even the best minds and the best doctors, we don't know when this will end full and, and surrounded by uncertainties, but the Word of God is certain. So why don't you confess and focus on the truth that can set you free? Amen. Now, thanksgiving also leads to praise. You know, when you start giving thanks, it's very, very natural to lead to praise. That's why the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It's just, it just flows. Okay. You just come into God's courts where he is and then he will say to you, what is your petition? Just like the king said to Esther. Remember Esther? She wasn't called into the king's presence but she had to go anyway. So she dressed up beautifully and she came to the, into the king's courts enough for him to spot her and hold up the golden scepter and say, 
Queen Esther, I see you. What's your request? Even up to half my kingdom. So praise will lead us into the courts where God will see us and be ready to hear our petition. Praise is the weapon of warfare. I'm telling you right now, thanksgiving and praise is not weak. It's not small. It's the weapon of warfare. When we begin to thank and praise God, He begins to fight for us. Come on people, we don't have to fight our own battles. God says to us, the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. The battle is the Lord's and He will fight for us. Look at this scripture now. Deuteronomy 20, verse 3 to 4. And He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. God wants to fight for us. What happens, even in the Old Testament, I, I shared this with you before, Judah is always the first tribe that goes out. And what is, what is Judah? What does Judah mean? Judah means, come on, praise. And when we start praising, you know, most times we don't even have to fight because God fights for us and the enemy is confused. The enemy's camp is fighting against each other and totally being annihilated not even with one finger raised from us because we have raised instead a praise and a thanksgiving to the Lord. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Be anxious for nothing. How many of you are anxious today? Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, come on now, by prayer and supplication, but not just prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Amen. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I have come to believe, my friends, that prayer is just 10% petition and 90% praise. I practice that myself. Every morning when I have my quiet time, it goes on for an hour by the grace of God to one and a half, maybe two hours. And I find myself the first 40 minutes just giving thanks because that's how I enter into His gates. And I praise God. And before I know it, 40, 45 minutes have passed and I've not even uttered one petition yet. Why? Because I also know that God knows my needs and your needs. Before we even ask, God already knows. So i rather spend my time praising Him, giving Him thanks. Hallelujah. I start like that and I end like that. And I realize that God is worthy to be praised. Amen. Now, one more thing I have to tell you. Thanksgiving and praise not only brings us into God's presence, we all know that, but what do you find in God's presence, people? What do you find? Come on now. What do you find in God's presence? The Bible says, in His presence, there is freedom. There is liberty. So if you're bound by the things of the enemy, if you're bound by things of the world, being in God's presence can set you free because in the presence of the Lord, there is liberty and freedom. Come on, somebody say amen. Liberty and freedom. He can set you free. He can set me free. But also, the Bible says, in His presence is the fullness 
of joy. Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Now, I have never seen, look at this next slide now. I've never seen an unthankful person happy. Neither have I ever seen an unhappy person thankful. This is the truth. If your heart and my heart will be filled with thanksgiving, joy will follow. Happiness will be our fruit. But if you would be unthankful, even if you had a lot of things, come on now, you know this, even if you had a lot of wealth, but if you were unthankful, you will still be an unhappy person. Do you all hear me now? Psalm 16.11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is, come on, fullness. Fullness. All that you ever need is there in His presence. Fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures. Come on, forevermore. Nehemiah 8.10 says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me speak to you face to face right now. I pray for the joy of the Lord to fill your homes. Come on. For the joy of the Lord to fill your hearts. For the joy of the Lord to fill your thoughts. I pray that in His presence is where that joy will be experienced. And how do you get into His presence? Be thankful and praise Him. Come on. Even if there be no fruit on the vine, the Bible says, no wheat in the barn, I will yet praise the Lord for He is worthy. I will give thanks to my God. Hallelujah. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's not that everything is the will of God. I believe as I read the scripture, it is the giving thanks that is the will of God. That means that the will of God is that all of us learn to give thanks no matter what. No matter where. No matter how. No matter who, it is the giving of thanks that is the will of God. Not just the everything. You know, some people might argue with me, Pastor, if it's evil, if it's bad, you know, is it still the will of God? I don't want to argue about that. You know, we can talk about that theologically, you know, God knows everything. And there is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. We can go into that. But no, I believe this scripture says, it is not the everything that is the will of God, it is the giving thanks that is the will of God. Come on, people. There is no option to this. It's a choice again, not an option. Be thankful in and out, day and night, every day of your life. Learn to be thankful. Every morning I wake up, you know, just by getting up, I say, Lord, thank you because a lot of people can't get up. As I'm breathing, I say, Lord, thank you, I'm breathing because a lot of people can't breathe. As I go to the toilet and go to the toilet, I say, Lord, thank you that my plumbing works because a lot of people can't go to the toilet this morning without pain. So I give thanks to God for every single thing. You know how hard it is when the house has no water? I turn on my tap and I say, thank you Lord that the water is coming out of my tap. Thank you Lord that my toilet can flush. Thank you Lord that I can go into my prayer room and kneel and bow before your presence because a lot of people's knees hurt so bad they can never kneel without pain. I can by the grace of God. So I thank God. Find something to give thanks because this is the will of God. Can I hear a good amen? Number two, take authority. That's right. Take authority. Matthew 16, 19 says, Jesus told His disciples, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be lose in heaven. Too many Christians don't know this. That you and I actually have been given a command to go and make disciples. You see, the authority is not really ours. The authority belongs to Jesus. And we will read that scripture in a bit. See, all authority has been given to Jesus and then Jesus says, go. Means He wants us to go in His name and under His authority to claim the land, to make disciples, to take territory. And so here in 2 Corinthians 10, um, verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You need to understand there are weapons in our hands, but they are not fleshly or worldly or carnal, as the Bible says. But we have weapons. And our weapons, the Bible says, are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. There we go again. Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen to Matthew 28, which I talked about earlier. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, not some, not 99%, all authority. Have you ever seen authority? Kings and princes and prime ministers and governments. Yes, there are authorities all across the earth and we obey them because if we don't, there's punishment, there's consequences. But above all the authority we know, the greatest of all authorities, sometimes they say America is the greatest nation in the world. No, God is greater than America. God is greater than the greatest president and the greatest army. Are you with me now? All authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And He says what? Go. Ephesians 1.21 says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name, this is the name of Jesus now, Jesus' name is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now what is a principality? A principality comes from the word prince and prince is the great authority over the land, great authority over the state as it were. And every area, every territory, including your office, your big corporate office, where you stay, your school, your college, every one of these places has got principalities. There is a prince. And most of the time, you can't see this prince. And I will read to you, in Ephesians 2, 1 to 2, you, he made alive. God made, made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the cause of this world. Come on, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, there's a spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. No, it doesn't work in us. We are obedient people to the Lord, but it works in the sons of disobedience. And so there's a spirit, but more importantly, to remind you of the point of principality, there is a prince 
of the power of the air. And so every time we walk into the office, walk into a place that's not sanctified, a place that has not been surrendered to Jesus, a place that has not been cleansed, a place that belongs to the world, a place that belongs to the sons of disobedience. Listen, there are spirits and there are principalities and yet the Bible says that Jesus is greater than all principalities and powers. Can I hear a good amen? But suffice to also know that there are spirits, territorial spirits. But God is saying to us, when we go into a place, take authority. Go into your school and take authority. Go into your neighbourhood and take authority. Why do we just sit around idly and get smacked by the devil left, right and centre? Why do we just stand there and do nothing like a dummy when we actually know the truth and the truth is supposed to set us free? Come on Christians, I want you to know this. That you and I, we are under authority because we are under Christ. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2.9, remember this. What does the Bible call us? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Let me just pause there for a moment. That, that means we too are royal blood. So it's not just the principalities and the princes of the, of the power of the air in your office, in your school, or in your taman, your garden, your neighbourhood. It's not just those princes that has got power. We are now by Christ and in Christ, royal priesthood. We too are of royal blood now. We too are prince with God and we reign with Jesus. Are you all still with me? We reign and rule with Christ. So don't, you don't have to submit to the prince of the air of whatever area that you're living in or serving in or working in, you can go in and take authority in the name of Jesus because you and I are royal priesthood, the holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises. There you go again. The praises. Come on, what? The praises. That's what princes do. That's what royal priesthood does. We enter a place and we praise God. And when we praise God, wow, His kingdom comes, His will be done. Why do I say that? Because there's a scripture that says, God inhabits the praises of His people. There's another scripture that says, God is enthroned in the praises. So as royal priesthood, as a new prince, <laughs> not the prince of Bel Air, but the prince of wherever God places you, you are a prince with God. And so you go in there and take authority. Don't be silent. Don't be a dumb dumb. Don't be like someone who doesn't know. Who am I? What am I? You know, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. Yes, you can, you can humble yourself and say, I'm a nobody. I, I tell myself that every day. God, I'm a nobody without you. But in Him and with Him and through Christ, I can do all things. You are the new prince. In Jesus' name, you are royal priesthood. So go in and take authority with your praises and thanksgiving. Amen. Every place, I love Joshua 1.3. Joshua 1.3 says, Every place, Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. I love it. I love it because it's not I will give you. I have. God already wants us to have that office, that school, that land. God already, He's already in His plan and in His purpose, in His master plan. I've given Him this. I've given her that. Now all I need you to do 
is to walk it out. Walk it out. Because every place that the sole of your foot, listen now, will tread upon. So even though God has given it to us, we don't receive it yet because we don't want to walk it out. It is walked by faith and not by sight. Yes or no? So you see giants. He already said, I've given you the land. But because you see giants, you focus on those giants, you won't move. In fact, many of us are paralyzed. That's not the way to live. Why should the devil paralyze us? Why can't we paralyze the devil? You mean we only allow him to torment us and we can't torment him? I just gave you that word that we can in Jesus' name. Come on. Do it again and again. It didn't work one time, two times, three times. Don't just hit the ground three times. We read that scripture also. Keep going. Make the devil so uncomfortable in your life that he has to pack up. Pack up. In Jesus' name, pack up and go. Come on now. Take authority for your children's life. Take, take authority for your marriage. Take authority for your business. Take authority. How? Walk it out. Walk by faith and keep praising and giving thanks. I'm now, you know, marrying the first point and the second point. That's how you do it. No matter what you see, no matter what comes your way, no matter what the uncertainty, there's one thing that's certain and this is certain. So walk it out. That's why Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me, now go. He's saying, go. Walk it out. Go and tread upon this land in every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, God doesn't change his mind. Remember David and Goliath. First Samuel 17, 40 to 46. Then David took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Let, let me just pause here a moment. <laughs> Sometimes we just stand there and we wait no, for our breakthrough. David walked up. <laughs> Some people like to use the word rocked up. David rocked up <laughs> to his destiny. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. <laughs> he didn't know what he was asking. The devil didn't know what he was asking. Come to me. Yeah, sure, I'm coming. Because God promised me that every place uh, that the sole of my feet, <laughs> sole of my foot will tread upon, He has given me. So of course I'm walking up to you. You don't have to call me. Come to me, you know. So arrogant, this Goliath. I'm coming. I'm coming. You think what? I'm going to sit idly by while you defile the armies of the living God? I'm not going to sit idly by. I'm not going to just stand there as someone who, who knew nothing, who, who knew no truth. I know the truth and the truth sets me free. I'm going to walk up to my destiny in Jesus' name and God is going to give me the land. Come up to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the bees of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I, come on now, come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, 
the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. You know, David is saying this uh, without even having a sword in his hand. How is he going to cut off uh, Goliath's head? He is speaking by faith. He is speaking the future. He is prophesying. He is praising God. He is giving God the glory. Are you all still with me? As he's walking, he's speaking the word of the Lord. He's prophesying his future. Three things I want to say very quickly that reminds us of what David had. Number one, he went with what he already had in his hands. Come on people, I'm not asking you to be somebody else. I'm not asking you to have a pastor title, then you do it. An elder title in front of your name, then you do it. No, 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 no. Go as you are. Go with what you have. You already have. You already have a testimony. You already have praises. You already have the Word of God. You already have the teachings that you're getting from this church or for, from anywhere that the Lord is leading you to get it from. Listen, listen, listen. Go with what you have. Don't go with Saul's armour. David was put uh, on him, Saul's armour. He says, I can't go in Saul's armour. I can't go as somebody else. I will not go as somebody else. I will go as me with what I have. Number two, he went and faced Goliath. You've got to walk up. You've got to rock up. Because again, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have, I have, I have given to you. But go in the name of the Lord. And that is all we need. The name of the Lord. Why worry when you can pray? I heard that many years ago, you know, when I was a young Christian. There was a sticker, you know, placed in my car. It wasn't my car. It was my dad's car, but there was a sticker right there. Why worry when you can pray? Why complain when you can actually do something about it? You see, I see many Christians just spending so much of their time Worrying. And Jesus says, how many of you who worry can add just a single solution to your problems? No, none of us. In fact, the Word of God says, you can't add a single cubit. You, know? you, can't, you, you can't do nothing with worry. So that's why Jesus says, don't worry. But He knows we worry. He knows we worry. And that's why He says, don't. Please, don't worry. Too many Christians are just sitting down paralyzed. <gasps> you know, you're worried. Worry about tomorrow. Worry about everything. No, why, why, why worry when you can spend the time that you're spending to worry, spend to pray. Spend to give thanks. Spend to praise. So much more power in that. You and I can do something about it. You know, 1 Samuel 17, 43 I must apologize, I didn't give this scripture to uh, XTV. Thank you, XTV. Thank you, Ming Sheng and, and uh, Pastor Elvin and uh, Alex Martin, the three of them, you know, uh, for, for helping to serve week after week so faithfully. But, you know, 1 Samuel 17, 43, you know what the, what the Philistine, what Goliath said to David? <laughs> Goliath said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? God spoke to me yesterday and said, Kenneth, the problem with dogs aren't really with dogs. So, you know, I think some of you, just like myself, have watched on television the dog whisperer, you know, the dog expert. I think his name is Cesar. He's so, so talented. He's so good at what he does. And 
it's never been that any kind of dog, any kind of behavior, it's never been, not even one time, that we've ever watched that he was not able to help with the behavior of the dog. You, you who have watched it before, you know what I'm talking about. But how many of you okay, also can agree with me that most, if not all the time, the problem is not with the dog, Cesar, <laughs> I hope that's his name, uh, the dog whisperer, the dog expert, had to deal with the master. Because the problem is not with the dog, the problem is with the master. The, the reason why the dog is behaving the way it's behaving is because the master is not behaving how he or she should be behaving as the master, as the one with the authority. So listen, Goliath said, do you think I'm a dog? The problem is not with the demons only. The problem is not with the evil spirits. The problem is not with all these other things. It's definitely not with flesh and blood. Remember the Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But you think it is about that person, that boss, that pastor, that mother-in-law. It's not. Am I a dog? It's not about dogs. Even if Goliath was a dog, it's not about Goliath. It's about David. It's about people like us knowing when and how to take authority. And to take territory and to walk by faith. Talk the talk. Please, Christians, listen to me. This is number three of eight points. Don't remain silent when you have to speak. This year's theme, 2021, is prophesy. Speak up. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Don't let this book depart from your mouth. You know, I was thinking, God, is it our thoughts first before our mouth? Is it our mind first? Because most people will agree, right? You think a thought and then you speak it. And it doesn't seem to be so in God's economy. With God, it looks like the mouth comes first. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Don't you have to think it first? Well, some of us are thinking the total opposite. And that's why our mouth can't speak. Some of us are thinking about fear, thinking about, no, it can't happen, it can't be. I, I think this is just, you know, wishful thinking. And so your mind and your thoughts. But it doesn't mean that if your mind is not yet fully convinced and your thoughts are not yet fully assured that your mouth cannot open and speak what is true. Are you all with me? So the Lord tells me the mouth comes first. And then I read another scripture that confirms that. Acts 2.17 says, It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my Spirit on all flesh. Praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come on all of us. All flesh will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what is the first thing when the Holy Spirit comes? The mouth. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Then only your young men shall see visions and shall dream dreams. Wow, wow, wow. Mouth first. So it doesn't matter what you think, what you feel. Where you're reading and what you're reading whether you're totally convinced or not. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus came to his, his disciples on the mountain, 
when Jesus was risen from the dead, you know, the Bible actually very clearly says, and you can read it for yourself, I, I think it's found there in Matthew 28. When Jesus came, they worshipped, the disciples worshipped, but the Bible says very clearly, but some doubted. But it doesn't matter whether you doubt or not. The words of Jesus was the same to those who believed and to those who doubted. He says, all authority has been given unto me. Go now. Go into all the world. So you might doubt, but you can still speak. And it's very important that you speak and don't remain silent because it's through speaking that we can speak life in Jesus' name. Matthew 17, 19-20. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Yeah, all right. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, see, all you need is a mustard seed faith. Small, small faith. Not great, not big, not convinced. I'm totally convinced now. No, no, you don't even have to be totally convinced. Just small mustard seed faith. And what do you do with that mustard seed faith? You say to this mountain. You open your mouth and speak that mountains be removed. If you're unsure whether your instructions will be carried out or that your commands will be obeyed, then either you aren't clear about your authority in Christ or you have doubt about your authority. I don't think any parent would doubt that his or her child will not do what he says unless you doubt your authority unless you have messed around with your authority. I don't think, I, I don't think, well, I, I have to tell you this by the grace of God and because He's taught me a lot of, of this, that I, I don't have a doubt when, that when I tell uh, the SPO what's on my heart from God that, that they will take it seriously. I don't have a doubt about that. And Elder Ping Ho, he, he reminds me, uh, sometimes he says, yeah, Pastor, uh, you told us this and we are actually carrying it out because we know it's from the Lord. I don't have doubt about the authority that God, God has given me. Now, if I doubt it, I'll be in trouble. Ex-church will be in trouble. The SPO, the senior pastor's office will be in trouble. But I have no doubt. I have no doubt that when I talk something and say something important to Elder King Yap, that he will carry it out because he knows it from God. I have no doubt. If I had doubt that I doubt my authority, I doubt what God has given me, I doubt that my people respect me. But I want to show you another scripture here in Matthew 8, 8-9. to The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. Speak a word. Come on, people. Speak a word. And my servant will be healed. Wow, no doubt whatsoever. Speak and it gets done. Why do I know this? Centurion explains. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, I what? I say, not I think to this one, not I suggest to this one, not I say maybe this, I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. And you know what Jesus said to that? I've never seen such faith even in the whole of Israel. This is not even an Israelite. This is not even a believer or a Christian. This is a centurion, a Gentile. And where did his faith come from? He had no doubt about authority that our words carry weight. Authority is power that comes with punishment 
for in submission. You see, you shouldn't worry about punishment. There is truth in punishment, meaning that all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means we were due a punishment. God was about to punish, punish us for our sins. But you know who came? Jesus came. Jesus came to take our punishment. So punishment is not unbiblical, is not wrong, it's there, it's God's way. And when we don't abide and don't submit to authority, there are consequences. And everybody knows this. And so when I say something, I say it with clarity, with authority, because I know if it doesn't get done, then consequences will follow. And in this nation, if you don't follow the authorities, that's why we are five people only here today in church. Because we recognize the authority of Malaysia. And they said only five can be in a service like this at any one time. So we obey because we know there will be consequences. And also it's a bad testimony. Alright? Because God already said you must submit to authority. Listen, God is calling us to obey. Submit. And the centurion is also probably saying, if these guys don't do what I say, there is consequences. Punishment. Now, listen to me very carefully. If we don't accept this, we are in danger of minimizing the concept of punishment. And once we minimize the concept of punishment, we will also minimize the concept of authority. You see, if you don't train your children that there is such a thing as punishment and that is not a politically correct or incorrect statement and people are like, oh no, don't use punishment, don't use, don't use that word, we don't punish our kids. Listen, listen, listen. It's God. It's God's way. And that's why Jesus had to be sacrificed. If punishment can just be minimized, then Jesus didn't have to come. But God takes it seriously. And I tell you, every parent has got to take it seriously because if you ever minimize punishment, oh, there's no such thing, we don't need it, then you also minimize authority. And then don't blame your children for disrespecting you. Don't blame your children for disrespecting the authorities. One day when they grow up and they rebel against the authorities in their office, in their land, you got only yourself to blame because you minimize punishment. And when you minimize punishment, you minimize authority. Don't do that. Don't do that. Every authority has got consequence and consequences if we don't submit. Listen to Revelation 12, 11. I'm going to close soon. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the, come on, word. The what? The word. The what? The word. Talk the talk of their testimony. And they did not lo love their lives to the death. You know, some people will say, Pastor, I don't have testimony like yours. You know, you tell us about uh, your father and mother divorcing when you were one year old and you grew up without a mom until you were 10 and then a stepmom came into your life, praise God for that and then you have a dad who was on drugs you know, for so many years and this and that and you were poor. You know, I joke about it, we were so poor that we, when the robber came to rob our house, we robbed him. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, uh, you know, we were poor and, and they tell me, Pastor, you've got great testimonies. You know, sometimes my wife even tells me that, you know, dear, you've got amazing, crazy testimonies. You know, of course you can, you know, use those testimonies and defeat the enemy. No, 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 listen, listen. The Bible here doesn't say, yeah, by the word of their testimonies. All you need is one. And all of you who have Jesus in your heart, you have accepted the Lord 
been forgiven by Him, washed by His blood, you have a testimony. And if you still don't want to accept that, don't believe it or aren't convinced, then listen to another word of God. Psalms 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure. Oh. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So if you don't think you have a testimony, then use God's testimony. Yeah. God also has a testimony. And His testimony is sure. Use His testimony. Talk the talk. His promises are yes and they are amen. I want to close right now, but I want to tell you uh, what I've been learning from the Lord, you know, about how to talk. How to talk, you know. So I've, I, I've learned that when I talk to God, I, I whisper. Yeah, even in my own room. I say, Lord, thank you so much. You know, sometimes you might see me praying for a need and then I start talking to the Holy Spirit and then I lower my voice because I don't shout at the Holy Spirit. None of us should shout at God. You don't even have to speak with authority towards God because He's the one with all authority. So, when it's God, I learn from the Word, God speaks in a still, small voice. And so, you try it at home. You try it. When you start speaking to God, you say, God, I love you. I need you. Oh God, forgive me. You whisper. I tell you what, it does something to your spirit. It's real. It's raw. You feel closer to God. So when I talk to God, I whisper. But when I need something to be done, when I need something to get done, I speak with authority. I don't have to shout. And I shouldn't shout. Because people with authority don't have to shout. They just speak. But speak clearly. King Yap, I would like this done. God just put it on my heart that this, and Kiyak says, oh yes, Pastor, you know, uh, Elder Ping Ho, you know, God put it on my heart that, yeah, I'll bring it up to the SPO, a Pastor, and we will, you know, discuss it and pray about it and see how we can do it. You know, I, I speak, I don't have to shout to any of my leaders. I love them. I, I love them. And I also know that they, they love me and there's a respect. And people with authority don't have to shout. You don't have to, this is my way, my own way. No, no, no. I don't need my own way. I need God's way. And so I speak clearly. And so when I say, be healed in Jesus' name, I don't have to shout. Be healed. Now. Migraine, go. Back aches, cease. Now, in Jesus' name. But you know, when I do shout, it's only a natural, emergency, urgency kind of reaction. Stop! <laughs> when you see a, a child, you know, about to jump off, you know, a ladder. You know, it's only out of urgency and emergency that we find us naturally shouting. <laughs> and sometimes we find ourselves doing that to the devil. No! You know, but I tell you, we don't have to shout even at the devil because he's not afraid of volume, is he? Do you think the devil is afraid of volume? No, he's afraid of authority. And he's also afraid of Christians knowing their authority and using it using it. Thanksgiving and praise. Take authority. Don't just stand there and be whacked by the devil. Stop it. Enough. And talk the talk. Open your mouth and speak. Say to this mountain. Say with authority. 
life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Lord bless you. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.